This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi there, I'm Gordon Firemark. I am an entertainment, media, and intellectual property attorney out of Los Angeles, where I've been practicing and trying to get it right for about 30 years now. And they call me the podcast lawyer. I work with a lot of folks in the podcasting and digital media space. And in addition to my work as a lawyer, I'm also an educator and an entrepreneur. And I just love talking about media and tech and the law. Oh, so exciting. This obviously is a little bit meta because we're podcasting, talking to lawyers and talking about podcast law. So it kind of is like the snake that's kind of following following its tail or yeah. whatever that phrase is. But this is going to be a good one because we're going to talk specifically about some pitfalls that people can, that can present as you're creating a podcast. But I feel like there's so many stories that you probably have because if you've been doing this for 30 years, Podcasting wasn't even a thing. (laughs) So I'm curious to hear what that was like in the early... Were you involved in podcast law in the early days of podcasting, or is this a more recent thing? Karen, I'll tell you, I got started podcasting as a marketing strategy for my law practice. And when I did, first I was guesting on a couple of shows that were sort of specific to the folks that are my ideal client, were my ideal clients then. And and then I kind of got the the bug, and I was a sound guy and a techie geek and all that kind of thing going into it. So, which I you can tell to... by hearing the quality of your sound. I mean, <laughs> if you go from one episode to the next, we try to be real picky about the sound quality. But you know, from one microphone to the next, it's not always the same. And yours is like so nice, and it sounds so good. <laughs> well, some of it is genetic. I'll just take you know. The, the, <laughs> there some you go. Of okay, I didn't mean to give all the throat. credit to your microphone. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I, so I, I, I like to play with toys and get things set up just right and all that. Yeah. But when I did that, I started my own show in 2009. So that's oh, more yes. than 14 years now. Sure. I, I wanted to, you know, being an entertainment and media lawyer, I kind of knew the rules and the ropes of, of this area. But yeah. I thought there's got to be some differences. I went looking for resources. I found none. So I sat down and I wrote what started out as just a research memo to myself and it turned into a book that I now sell. It's called the podcast blog and new media producers, legal survival guide. So nice. Yeah. So I developed an expertise in this area and started letting people know about it. And so you've been you've been doing it long enough. I started a podcast with a couple of friends of mine back in those days, those early, early days that doesn't exist anymore, but yeah. we were just doing it more for fun and sure. reviewing books and stuff. And in those early days, first of all, the tech of podcasting was a whole different. We couldn't do this, what we're doing right now as easily, where we're in two different locations with really good quality sound and we're doing the video. So the tech was a whole different thing. And you had to practically have the microphone up your nose for it to sound good. Like it was just, you know, it was a different world back then. But what else was different in terms of, you know, it was such a new world. Like people were just figuring out podcasting itself, not to mention the mistakes you might make. Yeah. Podcasting as a medium is really only 16 or 17 years old. And so it's still sort of a wild west. We're figuring it out as we go. Sure. Big media companies have come in and started doing small media, the big media way, which for good or bad, probably some of both. Yeah. But you know, nowadays it's just gotten so easy to make 
the content. Back then, I was hand coding the RSS feed and load, <laughs> uploading it to a website. And yes, fortunately, it's really nerdy. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, the technology came along pretty quickly after that to yeah to make everything easier. And I quickly adopted that. And that's me. I'm an early adopter. So yeah. So what kind of mistakes were people making early on? Because everybody was just like, okay, this is the next big wave. It's kind of like what we're mm -hmm. hearing lately about AI. You know, like yeah. this is the next thing. We all have to be on board. And I think over all these different waves of technology that we've all kind of lived through, now we all realize, okay, quick, jump, do it quickly. Like, you know, I don't want to be behind. And so what were people starting with podcasts way back then or even to this day where like the most common kinds of mistakes that you're seeing yeah it to be honest it really hasn't changed much but everybody starts yeah. up a podcast thinking i'm gonna make a radio show i'm gonna put music i'm gonna bring this in i'm gonna talk to you know whatever and i'm and, gonna be a star uh, <laughs> right well and i'm just gonna play some of my favorite tunes each day and talk to my audience a little bit and yeah. you know this it ain't radio different yeah. medium different rules and even the guys that were coming a lot of more guys coming out of radio who had either been laid off or looking for something more to do with themselves and uh, so the big mistake was not re understanding and respecting the nuance in copyright law that makes this different okay so what so let's dig into the legal side of it a little mm -hmm. bit so what is the difference with copyright? And I know you've got a blog post about trademarking. Mm -hmm. Why Why is that important? And what's the difference? Well, intellectual property is, I, I think, the currency of the modern era in yeah. a lot of ways. And and when you make a podcast episode, of course, you you own the intellectual property and the content that you've made. The title of a show is where I talk about trademarks. So if, I, if you choose a, a distinctive title for your podcast and you want to make sure that Nobody else is going to come along and assume a similar or, or confusingly similar name and cause confusions and dilutions in the marketplace. That's what trademark protection is really for. And so, do you and re useful. recommend that, like, if you really intend to, let's say, let's assume we're a law firm creating a yeah. podcast for marketing purposes, kind of, you know, what you were describing that you mm -hmm. had started out for your own podcast. So your audience is potential clients. You're kind of speaking to the topic area of your practice areas. Mm -hmm. And it's really just for marketing. It's not like you're trying to be the next the next big thing. You're yeah. not really trying to be this like major hit on Spotify or Apple or whatever and, you know, get bajillions of listeners. Do you still feel like you need to trademark and and then the sub question is copyright? Yeah. Well, so the, on the trademark question, it, it's a big maybe. It really depends on what's your title and is it something that's going to be distinctive enough that that you don't want someone else coming along with the same title. Another law firm calling their show, you know, the Motorcycle and Knitting Podcast, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, that would be an interesting audience. <laughs> <laughs> Making motorcycle cozies, you know. <laughs> In case but, your motorcycle gets cold. <laughs> yeah, you know, so if you if you come up with something clever and maybe it's even also also a clever format for a show, these are the kinds of things you can protect. Whether you need to, whether you want to invest the resources in it is is an open question. Yeah. The good news is most lawyers can read the instructions and figure out a trademark application on their own. Sure. You know, you can always hire a lawyer to do it for you and and that's a question of what's your time worth versus what's your money worth. Yeah. So um, it's a matter of kind of evaluating that unknown potential risk. And, yeah. you know, do you want to deal with that hassle down the road if you haven't done it? 
Yeah, I mean, you 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 know, you can always do it. I, I wouldn't say it's early investment. You know, first invest in the technology, the software stack, the hardware, and and getting this the show out there. Yeah, because trademark protection doesn't kick in until you actually are using it in interstate commerce anyway. So that's that's important. But the, uh, back to the copyright side of the question. Yeah. You know, it, it's a two-sided coin. One is, as a as a creator, you own what you create, but that's true of all creators, including the songwriter who wrote that song you want to use, including oh, the yeah. record company that paid for the recording studio for the artist to go in and record. Yeah. So, if you're going to use that stuff, you know, someone owns it, and that means they control the right to make copies and distribute and and make derivatives and all those kinds of things. So, you need permission, a license from the uh, the copyright owners, and there's those two different copyrights: the song and the recording. So where it's different from, you know, terrestrial radio, which has been broadcasting, you know, they pay blanket licenses that include everything in a particular catalog from companies like ASCAP and BMI and a couple others out there in the U.S. That isn't the way it works for podcasting because it's not it's not just a live stream of content, but it can be downloaded and manipulated and started and stopped and those kinds of things. So unfortunately, there's no one-stop shopping for that music, those music yeah. rights. So what about the, the different platforms? So, you know, when we produce this podcast, mm -hmm. we put it out on, obviously, some of the big ones, Apple, Spotify, but then there's yep. a bajillion other little platforms out there as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's getting published on all of these different platforms. Are there any legal issues that you've come across or things that we need to do to protect ourselves in terms of thinking about those platforms where, I, I don't know, because you're publishing it on that platform, do they have any rights over that content? Yeah. First off, I want to clarify one little thing, and that's that there yeah. are listening platforms, yeah. Spotify, Apple, iHeart, those kinds of things. And there are publishing platforms or hosting services, really. And and uh, podcasters are, are, for the most part, able to be in control of their own publishing by making their deal with Libsyn or Bluehost or not Bluehost, Blueberry or Podbean or Buzzsprout, you know, lots of hosting companies. That's yeah. where you actually put your files, your, files. your data. Yeah. And then they distribute it. And the good news is there's this open protocol called RSS. That's what allows for Apple and Spotify and iHeart all listening anywhere you want basically so no the, the the general answer is that those platforms don't generally have an ownership stake in what you've created they may have okay. their own terms of use and rules about what is allowed and isn't sure and you do have to be mindful about that but for the most part that's pretty intuitive okay so they have terms in terms of like you know offensive or horrible mm -hmm. content and they have the right to go in and pluck your content if it doesn't follow their terms right if they yeah, somehow not specifically to edit the content, but to remove an episode. To sure. it, yeah, to yeah. remove it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But as far as if you're following the rules and the terms mm -hmm. of your agreement with that, that either the hosting platform or the publishing platform, mm -hmm. then they don't have any legal rights over the actual content. Not over the actual content. They're the, the legal, it's contractual relationship. And, and of course, you are assuring them and representations, warranties, and indemnities that you own and control everything that you're putting on there and you have the right to do this. So if you don't right. have those music licenses, then you're in breach of your That's agreements. That's your problem. And those, well, and, and when it becomes their problem, you'll take care of it for them. Is the <laughs> right. So it, it's going to be your money that's yeah, what, exactly. <laughs> that they go after. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So next kind of topic is legal issues around 
people appearing on your guests. So we talked yeah. about kind of copyright issues around the the content that you're putting on. If you have music or graphics or something that you're using, you need to make sure that that's all obtained and used mm-hmm. appropriately. The platform should all be okay as long as you're following their rules. But then what happens when you have guests on your show? Like what happens if all of a sudden you just decided to go bonkers and, you know, just went off the rails and started saying and doing things or misrepresenting, you know, misrepresenting yourself in some way that was not accurate. Well, so are you talking about the guests or are you talking about the, okay. So I've been sort of a crusader that podcasters who have guests on their shows should always use a release agreement of some sort. I, I actually publish one for free. Nice. Podcastrelease.com, if those folks are interested. Yeah. And what it does is it obtains the guest's consent to be recorded, whether they're in a one-party state or a two-party state, which is really about wiretap law and doesn't necessarily apply here anyway. People have privacy expectations, and it also sort of outlines the scope of what you can and can't do with the content you make, which is in my agreement, very, very broad and expansive yeah. so that the podcaster can use it. They can take a transcript of it. They could publish the transcript in a book, you know, all those kinds of things other sure. than just the podcast. And the the guest wouldn't really have much, any ability to come and ask you to later take it down or to make edits to, suit us, to satisfy their, you know, whatever peculiar situation they may have. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't do those things if they ask, but you shouldn't be required but to. you're not obligated yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i've i recently had something where the bio of one of my guests changed and so they were in the the bio that they had provided mm-hmm. they were such and such title and then that wasn't any happening anymore and so they yeah. didn't want that you know kind of wrongly promoted even though at the time that we got it it was what they sent us mm-hmm. so then we had to go back through and edit all that but we ha- we do have that same agreement where you know, I wasn't legally obligated to change it. It's like you sent it to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that was that was on you. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, some of it is. It, look, this is a relationship of trust. When you bring right. a guest on your show, I I'm trusting that you're not going to throw me under a bus. And I'm yeah, and obviously not we throw changed you it. Under but yeah, bus. exactly. But if we, if I was out of town and didn't get around to it, and they somehow got in trouble for that bio information mm-hmm. that they provided to us, not my problem. Like that's you know that's not my legal problem. Is is yeah. basically what I was saying. We obviously changed it. We're not evil, <laughs> you know, yeah. but well, you but, know, some of yeah. it also depends on uh, to what extent are do you consider what you're doing journalism versus marketing and promotion? Most oh, that's probably, a good question. Yeah, yeah. let's you know, get into that. Yeah, and, and what I do in in my shows is I consider it to be journalism. It's soft journalism, no question. Sure. But if I'm if I interview somebody, I'm it's the public record. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And. And I don't want to be in a position of later having them revising history over oh, I didn't say yes. that or those kinds of things. So to that so extent, what, ethics and integrity comes into the equation. Right. So what would the difference be if you considered it more marketing? Because I do think that most of the attorneys and law firms that yeah. we work with, they don't really necessarily see it as journalism. It's it's clearly just a marketing tool, content creation. They're yeah. you know looking to just generate more traffic and business and all of that. 
Well, the flip side of it is you want the freedom and the and the discretion to edit things in a way that puts your best foot forward from yeah. a marketing standpoint. Yeah. And if your guest comes on and it comes back and says, well, you know, I said it a little differently or you cut out the part where I criticized you. Yeah. <laughs> those kinds of things. You so you would build the, that into your contract, the ability and, and your freedom as a mm -hmm. host to edit as as you see fit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, one. The, uh, look, I own the content. I'm the maker of it. I don't have to ask you for permission for anything later on. Yeah. And that includes my right to edit it as I see fit. Now, of course, you know, you could still get sued for the tort of, you know, sure. a misrepresentation or really throwing somebody a, in a bad yeah. situation. But, you know, the idea is to manage those expectations. Going yeah. On. If you're like moving the words around mm -hmm. to create your own fake sentences, that's a whole different. I mean, I've seen like th this done with AI where like they yeah. just write out a draft out a sentence. They've got some little video clip like we could likely the do that based on what we're recording today. And I tell AI to have you say a certain thing. I feel like that's not really editing. That's that's a whole other ball well, of wax. The, the deep fake kind of yeah, technology. Exactly. I, the technology's gotten so good. Yesterday, my wife showed me a, a video that was Arnold Schwarzenegger in the role of Little Orphan Annie singing Tomorrow. <laughs> and they called it Little Orphan Arnie. And oh it was really my cute. gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> but you, if you weren't aware, you couldn't really tell that he wasn't actually singing those words. You right. Know, you know, so. It's good. Yeah. And we're in the infancy of this AI mm -hmm. stuff. Like it's, it, that is a whole other legal topic. I feel like we could have yeah. a whole other show on just talking about the potential legal issues combined with AI. We're not going to, you know, dig good. too deep into that. <laughs> I feel like too many people are talking about that right now, but that is a whole other ball of wax. But that does dig into what I wrote down another topic that you talk about, which is fact checking. So yeah. so what's your responsibility as a host to fact check your guests? I think you have the responsibility to fact check. I mean, you know, it needs to at least pass the basic sniff test. Yeah. When somebody says something on your show, first of all, when they're talking about another person, yes. and it's something that could be disparaging or harmful to that other person's reputation, you, the podcaster, can also be liable for the defamatory remarks being for republishing them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a fair comment, fair report privilege that sometimes comes into play. Again, it depends whether you're journalism or something else. Yeah. So you have to be thoughtful about that. You want to make sure that if someone says so-and-so molested six children, you know, that it there's a public record <laughs> that backs yeah, that up, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think most lawyers are pretty sensitive to that kind of thing. And so it's, it's relatively natural Obvious. to think about it. Yeah. But sometimes it's just, you know, a casual mention of a company and something that happened that may or may not actually have happened, you know, rumors. So you, you need to just you know, go through it reasonably carefully. And, and the best thing to do is if a guest on your show says something that immediately makes you wonder, yeah, dive deeper, ask the question, wait, wait a minute. You just said that, is that really what you meant to say? What, what do you have to back it up? Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's frankly just good content anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, tell me more. Is that really true? Or did you just pull that out of thin air? Like, what is that? Yeah. And you get to showcase yourself as a lawyer doing what lawyers do. There you go. Is, investigate and uncover facts and truths. Digging in, just like, you know, going yeah. deeper. Yeah. So, okay. So what if, let's say, once again, you're a law firm, you've got this pretty, you know, marketing focused mm -hmm. podcast 
And you're clearly trying to talk about your practice areas and you start digging into your case wins. Where's the line with privacy issues and and talking about your clients and your wins in terms of like, where do you draw the line for mentioning names and clients and and uh, and does that vary state by state? I, I think, you know, yeah, I think there probably are some small variances from state to state. I think that the best approach is to go remember back to that ethics course in law yeah. school and be mindful of the attorney-client privilege and and of, you know, client confidentiality. Yeah. Again, I think most of us, it's pretty natural to do that. But if you had a big case and you you know were in the media as as being the defense witness, the defense lawyer for such and such a case, I think once it's out there in public, it's okay to talk about it in the same context. My own approach is I never name a client's name. Even if talk, it's in the if, in the public record? I mean, yeah. I mean, some of my clients, because it's entertainment law, they're sort of very sensitive about how sure. their messaging goes out. But I can talk in the abstract about, well, I had this this situation with a client who XYZ, and they did this, that, and the other thing, and, and here's how we handled it, or here's yeah. what we got as a result, and so on. And uh, I, th- I feel like that demonstrates a kind of discretion that clients will often feel good about anyway perspective yeah clients. yeah i think there is a trust issue there where if you're that potential client and you're listening and all of a sudden they are airing a different client's dirty laundry yeah. that is really not going to paint you in a very nice light you know all of a sudden it's like you're sort of the gossip and it's mm-hmm. like okay that's that's not the way you want to present yourself yeah and I, you know the, the other thing I think that is a great marketing strategy for podcasts for lawyers is just to answer the, the most common questions. Yeah. And yeah. again, you can solicit the questions and, and people will ask, I, I get them by email all the time. And I just, you know, I, I sometimes use a first name, you know, Fred asked X, Y, Z. Sure. And yeah. here's what I have to say to that. Again, answering in the abstract, if it's too specific, yeah. then there's obvious risk of that is really good yeah. for SEO too. You can throw like those clips right on your website. Google mm-hmm. loves it. Like that is such a good solid. If this whole yeah. tool is a marketing play, then that's a really good place to start for sure. If you're trying to plan out your content, you're not sure really where to start. Yeah. And, and now with YouTube shorts becoming a big yes. thing and, and uh, the TikTok. vertical format video, you can, yes. you can film it at the same time as you just answer the question into the yeah. microphone and you get, you know, repurposed content that can be very, very valuable. <laughs> yeah, I w- I'm just going to add a plug in for Riverside, which is the platform I use to rec- to record this podcast. Not only does it do a really good job, and this is not an ad, they don't sponsor the podcast or anything, but they have this really cool editing feature. So once we're done recording, I can go in and c- pull out clips. They've got a transcript, so you can pull it out word yeah. by word and reformat it into whatever size you want. So you can do those vertical formats. You can do horizontal, whatever. Yeah. All from one recording. So that the technology for all of this stuff is really getting there. Oh, it's yeah. really cool. You don't have to try to like re-record it or you don't have to do anything. Like it just kind of does it automatically for you in a really good way. So whether you use Riverside or whatever, you can take these this one recording and pull out all this great stuff for your marketing campaign without having to do like 10 different recordings for your, for yeah. your questions or whatever. Karen, I, I want to point out something you did there when you started talking about Riverside, because it's another legal issue pitfall that podcasters need to be addressing. You said, this is not an ad or an, you know, it was an endorsement. It just wasn't a paid endorsement. Right. But you were very careful to say that. And you hear a lot of folks do that. And that's because there are rules about when you are paid. Yeah. For an endorsement. You, you, 
the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, requires complete and clear and conspicuous disclosure of any financial relationships. So yeah. if you're talking about a product and you've got an affiliate link, which is a, a perfectly fine strategy, you just have to tell the audience what's happening. Same with that kind of an ad or endorsement that you made. And I also think if you if you have guests that pay you to come on your show, yes, yeah, then you are implicitly endorsing them by interviewing them, and that's another area where you need to be candid and transparent about it. That's a good point. I've seen so many podcasts that I know of where they are paid paid spots, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they're necessarily promoting that fact. And they it it, it does come across where you're really walking the line. Yeah. Because we all know, even from before the era of, even the before the era of online, but when you page through a magazine and you're looking at, you know, what looks like an article, but then you look up at the top and it says, this is a paid section, yeah. advertising section, you read it differently. That's right. And it lands differently. And that's important because for so many different reasons, just, but it just doesn't, it doesn't come across in the same way, and you need to, as the viewer and that potential consumer, be mm-hmm. aware that this is an ad. Yeah, and I think this, as you noticed, is a rule that is probably observed more in the breach than by following yeah, it. Definitely. And the FTC hasn't yet specifically weighed in about this issue, podcast guesting. But yeah. it's talked about endorsements. It talked about, you know influencer appearances and things like that so sponsorships and yeah yeah i think that's it's interesting because there are so many different platforms where you can guest and you kind of connect with other guests or hosts and and do all of that and a lot of them they are just kind of open you're not doing these paid but some of them are and i do think it's really important to because it's a different approach and if i we i don't ever have paid guests but if i did it would be a different conversation because i definitely want to make sure that they're getting their money's worth that we talk about the things Mm -hmm. they want to talk about as opposed to the way this structure is now where i'm going through my own outline like i have my own agenda and then we're going to talk about the things that i feel like people want to hear instead of like what are you trying to sell did you just write a book is there something that you know i need to make sure that we mention at least 12 times so people and get get the yeah. point over and over and over and it just doesn't it doesn't i feel like it waters down the quality too yeah definitely yeah okay so what other kind of mistakes do people make do you have any examples obviously not naming names you said <laughs> we just kind of follow yeah. our own advice here <laughs> but do you see podcasters making any other like real critical mistakes legally when they're kind of going through this process one of the areas that I encounter a lot of that is probably not as big a concern for the lawyers in the audience, but it, it's, you know, this, this fun, congenial, collaborative environment and atmosphere of podcasting is something where, you know, sort of, hey, I got a barn, let's put on a show kind of an yeah. attitude, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't think to document the relationship. And, you know, it's, it's just like any other relationship. I think you need a prenup. Yeah. And, you know, it, it could be as simple. Hey, you're, you're coming on my show as my guest. Yeah. Not as my guest, as my co-host, but it's my show. That's how yeah. my show, my, my own podcast is set up. But sometimes they're partners or sometimes one's an employee of the other. Yeah. Some, you know, it sort of depends on your format, but you need to think through these kinds of things. So yeah. waiting too long to, to do that is a big a big Problem. fail. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I use a, one of the platforms that I was kind of alluding to a minute ago, and they do have this agreement where, mm-hmm. and it's it's so nice and kind of partly created for you so that mm-hmm. you can have that 
documented. And it's one of those things where you don't want to think about this later. Like every lawyer knows. Yeah. It, you don't want to be thinking about these later, these details later mm-hmm. when it's too late and you've kind of like, you know, made a mistake somewhere. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it is time. To- Sorry. Was, were you going to say something else? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up that there's one other sort of lawyer specific thing that is attorney advertising rules. Oh, yes. Okay, so how does that play into this? Well, I'm sure you, you know, you've, you've addressed the question with a number of your other guests and so on, and I think that creating a podcast isn't any different fundamentally from, from an attorney advertising point of view as, as creating a blog post or yep. writing a book or those kinds of things. I think the First Amendment freedom of speech comes into play here, and so to the extent that it's commercial speech, if it's marketing, advertising kind of stuff on your site, you do have to comply with whatever the local rules are. Yeah. Some places they make it really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Make sure you have all those terms and conditions on the website and wherever you're promoting it. We use a service called Termageddon, which I, once again, not an ad, not a sponsorship, but we are a big fan and they automatically update and they take into account your location and everything. Mm -hmm. And so that automatically updates as laws are constantly changing about around. But it also may mean that you have to include some disclaimer in the episode content and maybe even run a, a, you know, if you're doing video, maybe it should even say attorney advertising on the screen while you're talking or so, you know, check into your local rules and, and uh, reach out to the hotline and ask them what you, what they think you ought to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so it is time for the book review. So we have an awesome library of all the guests' book reviews from the past episodes on the website. And it's a really cool resource where you can go through and find all these great books. So many of them I hadn't heard of before we started you know, talking about it. So, Gordon, what's the book that you want to talk about today and add to the library? You know... I I really have to say that Russell Brunson has done a great job with his series of books that have the word secrets. So he has Expert Secrets, which is sort of about building an expert business online primarily. And Traffic Secrets is about how to get more eyeballs on your stuff. And I think they're both really, really good. And I think there may be a third one in the Marketing Secrets or something like that. Russell is a young guy who, you know, really self-made man in a lot of ways and just some great ideas. And he runs a software company that helps you know, people create marketing funnels and things. Oh, like cool. That. But, but yeah, on the, on the nonfiction side, that that's my recommendation. Okay. Right. <laughs> we do have a handful of fiction books too, that people have yeah. thrown in there. And it's like, you know, whatever you think is, is a great book that people should spend some time with, well, you know, I, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do read nonfiction in my downtime because we spend so much time reading as lawyers. It's nice yeah. to do something yeah. different. Exactly. Okay. Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. We will link to that on the show notes on the show page as well and have the link to Amazon so you can grab that. So what's one big takeaway that you'd like people to get from the episode today, Gordon, that you feel is, you know, the the big takeaway important for people to know in terms of the legal side of podcasting? I think the big takeaway would be don't wait too long or, or outright dismiss the need to cross the T's and dot the I's from a legal standpoint. It doesn't have to be hard or complicated, but it does need to be done. And you know, you sleep better at night and you make better content when you don't have to worry about those nagging fears in the back of your mind. Yeah. And I honestly, I feel like it it seems like something you shouldn't have to say, you know, it should, should be kind of obvious that like, as you're putting together a show and you're, you know, creating your branding and you're all the details of a show that you should also be thinking, okay, what are the potential risks and everything? But for some reason, it seems like people skip over that. Well, you know, 
Paramount Pictures or Disney or, or ABC and NBC, they wouldn't dream of putting a TV show or a, or a film together without having the proper chain of title and the contracts with every single person involved. And yeah. it's just a matter of scale. You're making media. It's You're producing content, and we need to take similar steps to protect yeah. it. Protect yourselves, protect the content, just be, you know, put a nice little wrap of bubble wrap all the yeah. way around it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. This was super helpful. Gordon, thank you so much for being here. That was an awesome episode. Karen, thank you for having me on. It's been fun chatting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.